Hey, welcome to The Rift, Enlightenment Within the Divide. I'm your host, Sam Denning. Today, we're going to have one of my friends, Kevin Thomas. He's a uh, lawn care man, a machinist, a pilot, among other many interesting things. So in this conversation today... We go over a lot of his lawn business. Um, basically, we go over a lot of what he means to me personally and all the things he can do. And we talk a lot towards the end about his uh, pilot's license and where all he's flown. It's actually a really, really fascinating conversation if you could hang on to the end. So um, I really, really want to thank Kevin for joining me. He's been apprehensive about joining the show. Um, but we had a great time and he actually comes right around and I think he may join me for another episode. So this is a long one. It's about an hour and a half. Bear with me, relax and enjoy the conversation. Hey, Kevin. Welcome to the program. Thanks for joining me. I've been begging you, basically, to do a podcast, uh, at least since I started the podcast, because you're a pretty fascinating guy, and you've become a pretty close friend of mine. Or I'd say you have become a very a very close confidant. Okay. I talk to you frequently, and you help me, and I hope occasionally I uh, help you. Have a couple times. Yeah, you know, I don't want it always to be me asking uh, and taking. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad today, you know, it's we're recording this on the uh, 29th. Yeah, 29th of January, 2022. And um, we're both in the lawn business. You're much deeper into it and own, you know, are partners in a, in a very large local lawn business here in Huntington in the yeah. tri-state area. And so you guys plow snow. Yeah. So this was a day that you were available because all the snow had already been plowed and yep. you kind of didn't snow have much to do. Of. And, uh, yeah. So, so, well, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been, uh, on grass for quite a few years. I started in high school and It's uh, well. I'll lead you into this. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm having a hard time. With the this. reason, one of the reasons I have you on here is, well, first of all, I love, I do enjoy talking to you, and we have we have great conversations. But you yeah. are extremely mechanical minded. Yeah. When I think of when I get on YouTube and any guy out there listening, and I'm not trying to basically base this on what what you're. Uh, what you have in the pants here, or whatever. But generally, dudes on YouTube get referred mechanical videos to watch all the time and you always yeah. watch these videos you know tell me if i'm kind of strumming okay. yeah telling the truth here but yeah. you're always like man gosh i'd love to have the skill set to do that or man i really want to do that skill sets for yeah. yeah well you are the person that i know in my life that actually does possess these sorts of skills i okay. go to your garage which um you know tell uh, yeah basically i you know the we can both talk as much as we want on this uh, by the way kevin is a little bit He's never done this. Yeah, um, so I'm a little nervous here. Yeah, and the thing is, is that he does have plenty to offer, and I think this can be a very fascinating conversation. If, if Sam can pull it out of me. 
So, yeah. So, but, but you guys have you and your partner. partner. Yeah. We've, I started in 2007. I actually started before that. I started in high school. And basically, I started because my uncle got me into flying airplanes. And I started in high school to pay for flying lessons. I started mowing grass. And one thing led to another. Next thing you know, I do have my pilot's license, but, you know, 12, 13 years later, I still have a lawn service and doing doing that full time. (laughs) I was going to ask, so I did not know, as much as I may think I know about you, I didn't know the connection between the two. One of my questions. It it was to start, I started cutting grass to pay for flying lessons. Wow, so they're connected. Because I was going to ask you one of the topics that, I plan we plan to discuss further in in this in this yeah. conversation is your love of flying, your ability yeah. to fly, why yeah. you did it, when did you start? And we're still going to talk about this, but I had no I had no clue that you started mowing grass, which is your actual business, like your it's career. It's now the business, yeah. Um you started doing that in order to fly. Yeah. And at what age was that? I soloed when I was 16. The, the first time, and then I kind of had, like, then the grass business kind of took off. I went to a couple years of uh, community college and finally ended up finishing up in 2010 getting my pilot's license. So I had, like, a eight-year hiatus there of not doing it, mainly because it was just waiting to take the written exam, which I don't know how many people know this, but you have to have a... You have to take a written exam, of course, to get your pilot's license. And it was just a scary thought to even try to attempt this test. <laughs> and you know, and, it's and a lot of studying for it. It's amazing, and I think you're not alone in this. It's amazing how many you would be surprised how many people that that is a massive hurdle to overcome. Yeah. They can do everything fine. Yeah. They're probably you, you, the best have, at it. You have the the hands-on ability to do it and the knowledge to do things safely but in order to prove it to somebody else that you have to know the ins and outs of the rules and this and that's and it's just you know and then the test is you know they they, they publish all the (laughs) questions in a book and there's like 500 or 600 possible questions that's in a book and it's all multiple choice of course but then they pull from that pool and you got two hours to answer like 60 questions. <laughs> yeah. And it's daunting and, and, and yeah, there's people yeah, out yeah. there and I'm not saying and, and this I mean, is you, lots of math but and, there's, there's people out there that have uh, learning disabilities that may not be major, but they are things that they've dealt with their whole life. I've struggled with yeah, as well. Yeah. And I so. have a cousin, same thing that there's a lot of reasons that they may not have these certificates when they are some of the most capable human beings on earth. Like, I often laugh, and I look at people like you, and I see you as you're one of these guys that can fix everything, can solve almost every problem, right? But don't ask me to write a report on it. And that's my thing, is if the world really is in a disaster, and everybody's looking at all these places to find the solution, at all these institutions Uh of higher learning, or at these businesses, I think the people that are going to fix these major problems are people... That are at their they house or the box. Yes, they're sitting around in their garage. They have this skill set, but they're not really able, or they were too afraid to try to take the leap. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many of them, and and that's. Well, I'm so glad you showed up, Kevin, because I view you in my life as that kind of person that it literally you know a lot 
about a lot. Like, I'll say a phrase, and I, I learned... A, ja- a jack of all trades, but, you know, master of a few. Yeah, and you are, and that's where you change it. It's usually master of none, right? Yeah. Well, like, when I was in college, I was told this famous, you know, this, uh, this little phrase from one of my professors that said, you know, you go get your bachelor's, your BS, and you know a little bit about a lot. And then you go get your master's, and you know a lot about a little. And then you get your PhD, and you know everything about nothing. Yeah, And so I look at you and I say, you know a lot about a lot. So you break that mold and there are people like that in existence and they're rare. I want to pick your brain because I think people should hear some of your life experiences. And I would also, and I've told you this before, I'd like to video you and some of the things that you have done in your Mm -hmm. garage Mm -hmm. and put it up on my YouTube channel. Because I've been with you when you've... (laughs) I mean, sometimes you start talking and it's hard for me to keep up with you about how you did what you did and, 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 and what the purpose of the part is that you're even yep. fixing. But it's unbelievable to me. Well, it's just a matter of having a few tools and yeah, having a and, and, and think outside the box on how to get stuff apart. And then sometimes you'll have somebody else that'll walk in and go, why are you doing it that way? It's so much easier to do it this way. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm overthinking it. Well, like with me, you know, who has a need for a plasma cutter? Oh, I got tons of uses. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like you, you, you get these like wholesale huge sheets of steel, and you stack them in there. Yeah, I can use those later. And, and I'm like, what for? And, and then next thing you know, you're like, yeah, did you see that platform I built on the back of this? Uh, I mean, the fabrication abilities that you have yeah. is, is amazing. So, yeah. so enough about me tooting your horn. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about what all you, what all major cool pieces of equipment that you you guys have, and like what things you are capable of, of doing, and what maybe what big things you have done with it. I don't know. Probably the thing that Sam's been talking about most is my uh, leaf setup for uh, doing leaf collections in the fall is I literally started with a stack of steel and built a box on the back of a dump trailer that opens up and it can come off in the summertime to be able to use the truck to haul lawnmowers with. And the leaf fact sits on the front and blows it in. So when you're operating it, your driver, as you're sucking up a pile going down the street, you can see what the operator is doing while you're trying to move the truck and keep pace. Yeah, I mean, them. it's very, yeah. very practical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, and it works great. It's just, you know, it took a little bit of thought and, you know, how to, how to problem solving and it's just a... Yeah, I mean, there were some things, um, yeah, I like how you always, you, you helped me put all the shelving in my van, which that wasn't really, it actually was a pain in the nuts, uh, but... It wasn't because it was like fabricating anything yeah, from it, out of nowhere. Yeah, but. it's just a fact of having two sets of hands to be able to do something. Yeah, I'm always it's, like, man, I don't know. This seems a little daunting to me. I need. I'm going to call Kevin. Like he 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 can look at this and it's like, oh, you just do that, or come here. You know this. That's okay. You know, um, you you're all shop. How big is your shop? Uh, it's huge. Uh, it, it's it's not the biggest shop in the world, but. Uh, I've got two bays that are like 25 wide by 35 deep. And, well, the garage door is 16 foot. And it's Each so, bay is 25 wide. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I own the whole building, but I only use half the building. I rent the other half out to another guy. 
And so I have like my storage side on the left and then my shop's on the right side. So I only use like a quarter of the building for the actual workshop. And it's the just, other quarter for storage of like yeah, storage unused for, equipment for, at the for, time for or mowers and you know, all that kind of stuff. I got pilot racking and forklift and all that stuff. So I'll be able to. Yeah, I mean, you've got a forklift. You have every trailer that somebody could think of. By the way, what is the name of your business? It's Yardworks. What, what's your phone number? Uh, 304-638-6398. little shameless plug here for Kevin. Yeah, um, yeah. That first of all, they do, if you're listening to this and you're looking for lawn and landscaping people, they do great, great work. We I just re- do. We, we don't really advertise a whole lot, but we do still have openings that we can take care of people. Yeah, and and, and you, you can know that whatever is being done is being done the the best way it, it possible, um, to be honest. You know, I've seen and been around a lot of corners being There's, cut. Yeah, we find, we find that a lot. Yeah. Being, corners being cut. So, you know, as you can hear Kevin talking, just about how he cares about maintaining their equipment is remarkable. Whereas, like me, and I'm not saying I do terrible work i mow a lot of rentals but I, I don't have all the equipment and the ability to be able to do stuff as good as they yeah. can do it's, it's just, just not it's, it's just you know with the maintenance you're sharpening blades every couple of days especially in the springtime when it's thick when the grass is thick yeah and tell us about your setup for that which i mean to me blows my mind it's just really it's, nice it, it, it's just a setup for grinding mower blades it's just a yeah you can wheel well, I'm going to talk them through it. I, it's just, you know, Kevin's like, yeah, it's but just you can, a one you, horsepower. You've got all these massive bays. You can go take your, pull your lawnmower off the trailer, lift it up on a hoist that has yeah. got a remote. You know, talk them through it. It's, yeah. it's cool. Just lift it up and uh, zip the blades off with the impact wrench and go over and grind a new edge on them. Yeah, and this isn't and with just some, a, like, schmuck grinder either. I mean, this it, thing, it, if you want to actually see, go it, to Sam Denning's YouTube channel, and I've got a recording of how to sharpen a lawnmower blade. It's using their machine, which yeah. is like, zip, 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 zip. Yeah. All right, done. And it's sharper than it, it, it's got a, a Cutco it's knife got, it's got, it's got a table. <laughs> when you get done with it. it. It's got a table that keeps the angle at the right, at, that keeps your cutting edge at the right angle. And uh, it just, you know, it, it, it doesn't mess around. It'll grind a piece of steel down real quick. It's got yeah, a, it's fascinating. It's actually a Birking brand. How much do you think that that cost? Well, you probably know. Yeah, they've gone up in price. They're about $2,000 now. Yeah, they're right. Exactly. You know, most people that would buy a $2,000 blade sharpening machine would be I mean, sharpening blades for a living. Well, well you're sharpening for much, a living, but it's for your business, actually. Yeah. You've cut the middleman out. Yeah, you know. I'm, Kenny I'm, Queen, they don't need you. Yeah, you know, I'm probably sharpening, on average for a season, I'll probably put sharpen blades, probably 500 blades in a season <laughs> or more. What, what, what do I do? You want to tell everybody what? <laughs> yeah, Sam brings me blades like once a year. He'll bring me like a big old stack of blades, and they, you know, they're all torn up and bent. Half of them are bent. I got. I, I get. I get them to, to to sharpen every blade that I own uh, in the at the beginning of the season, and then I I shift them. So I've got usually fairly sharp blades. But yeah, you used to make fun of me because I went they, they and have I kept big dings in them, and I, I kept buying new blades every time yeah. there was a point where 
I didn't have the ability. I didn't have the time. And yeah. I was like, so I it's just, easier just to have multiple sets of blades for every piece of yeah, equipment. But I, it was just me, right? And so I had like, how many? I mean, you can see him right there on the corner. We're, we're in my little garage. You can see him stacked in the corner where that hammer is close yeah. to my freezer. Yeah. So, oh, I, those are, are those the ones you haven't used yet? I haven't used. Year? It's just three. I don't three like sets. them as much. I bought some cheaper, like, knockoff um, mulching-style blades those. off of him. They're thinner metal. And they are it, thin. It, you know what I'm talking and, about? And they don't have the, as good a lift. Yeah, it, they don't. They're garbage, for lack of a better yeah. word. They're They're literally junk. They don't. They don't have the lift to suck the grass up to get a good cut on it. Yeah, it's funny that because and that's why they're the last one. Like if I at the end of the season and through all they're my good blades, for chopping leaves up. Yes, at the end of the year, you know, if I've still got blades that are need to be replaced, I, I, those are the last ones that I use. Okay. Um, well, why don't you walk me through? So we've kind of gotten into your lawn business. First of all, you're fr- you're from Huntington. Yes. Right. And where'd you go to high school? Cabo Midland. Okay, what year did you graduate? Two thousand three. Oh, you're just a year younger than me. Yeah, um, we're getting old, Sam. That's depressing, actually. Two thousand three. That seems, you know, when we talk about it, it's like, oh yeah, class o two o three. When my nephew hears that, they're like, and he's in college now. He's like, God, that's yeah. like when my aunts would talk, and you know, I didn't really listen to my uncles that much, as much. You know, they didn't yeah. talk around. But when I would be with my it's mom, like a, and they would talk about stuff in their high school, which they were the equivalent age that I am now. Yeah. And I would listen to them as a kid and go, that was yeah, yeah. I wish they'd stop talking about Huntington High. Yeah. You know, I wish they'd it's, stop talking about. It's, it's like I have employees working for me now that are born in the 2000s. Some of them are. I've got one that's a 98 and one that's a 99. Somebody said the same thing about us one time. Yeah. So, and, and it just makes you think that you're just getting that much older. Yeah. Time just keeps ticking. Yeah. That's a song and your shameless plug. But, um, well, yeah. and you get to a point, and I think you and I are at that age range now where it actually hits you like a ton of bricks. Oh, and yeah. I guess that is the reference to midlife crisis. Like oh, all of a sudden, <laughs> oh my God, I realize. And I think kids, you know, I want to say that my wife and I had, this is a little off topic, we had kids a little late. I don't know if that's true anymore because the the, the norms, <clears throat> the societal norms now are just blown out. The mm-hmm. things that when we were growing up were normal and they had been normal for generations are just kind of blown out now. Yeah, I don't think you can say you're too late anymore to have kids in your 30s. I think yeah. it's just whenever you want to have them, as long as you're having them, yeehaw. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I suppose. yeah, it, it, it's that kind of stuff's changed. But, but my overall point is when you, when you have kids, it really, really, really makes you self reflect. Like now I'm watching my four and a half year old play soccer and play basketball. And I'm remembering playing basketball or not bad. Well, I do remember doing it, but particularly soccer. But I remembered that I listened to my mom a lot more. My son doesn't listen to me. Now, mother, if you're out there listening, uh, you're probably going to go, no, you never listen to me either. And I know that's true. But when I look at my son, I say, I was better than he was. I definitely was acting better than he is. So anyway, we're getting older. We've, we, you and I both, we've worked pretty hard. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm slowly exiting the lawn care scene. I don't know your total future plans. Um, but your all's lawn business is, is, is always booming. I mean, it, I, it does. Okay. Yeah. You can always do more, but 
you know, at some point you start when you have to send employees out to do stuff, your quality starts to go downhill. Yes. You know, so I'd rather have, I'd rather have fewer yards that I can take better care of than more yards that I don't know what's going on. Right. And that's where I'm at more yards and, but I, and you're just basically taking care of your rental property. Yes, I've gotten down to more yards, but it's all a bunch of rentals. And, you know, I mow them and they look nice, but they're not you're, catered you're, to like a... Yeah, you're not, you're not trying to... And I'm get not getting service. paid. Right. right. I, I'm not advertising anymore, really, as long. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I mean, it's flat out not. You're, you're, just, you're just taking care of your own property with commercial equipment. Right. I mean, things have worked out well for me. I've made some smart decisions, and I've had a lot of good help. I mean, nothing, and I have a separate thing where I talk about this. I have, but nothing, you know, comes to someone without help. I mean, and that sounds crazy, but, you know, I was told one time that you're either pushed from behind or you're lifted up. So somebody's either pulls you up and helps you, or they're pushing you, getting you going. I suppose. And I've always thought of myself as having a little bit of both. You know, there's been situations in my lawn mowing career. So here we're kind of delving off the but where you got you, you specifically have really helped me out, kind of talked me into, and you probably don't know this, but some things that, uh, you know, you help me think about things a little bit differently. Um, I don't know, mate, but people like that and in similar industries kind of push each other, prod each other. But then you also have the person that may help you purchase the first thing or give See, I, you, I have people that I've talked to that help tell me which way to go with things. Yeah. And I've got and, the same thing in property you know. too. And it's, it's critical and it's critical that you have good, good, true, like genuine people in those, yeah. you know, that you look up to. Cause there are a lot of people out there that just don't they give you advice, but it's kind of garbage advice. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't really understand. Um, but I, I think like you've helped me a lot in, in, in thinking about things and talking to you and you've, you're a lot more realistic about some stuff than I am. I get pie in the sky. It's it's a college, it's that college degree you've got. Yeah. It's that college degree, which is total WOM waste of money. Um, I'm not saying college degrees are a waste of money, but in general, uh, you know, I think you can make and be successful and be happy and be proud of a product and provide for a family yeah. without a college degree. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that's that can be in this podcast. We can get into that conversation, but that, that, that's a whole... People that are in the line of work that you and I are doing that doesn't require higher-level education. Yeah. I think that it gives us a completely different... Uh, perspective on the world and how it should really be operating than the average person that's still stuck in this, uh, for lack of a better word, this mirage of the need for higher degrees, which I personally think is is built around the need for universities to keep people's asses in the chair and keep paying tuition. Probably. I mean, how can you possibly keep making that th- that many new degrees every single year? It's only so that somebody says, "Oh, I haven't gotten that one. I need to stay. I need to stay and get that degree." I mean, are that many new different types of jobs getting out put out? No, I don't know. But you know, you just got your plumber's license or journeyman's <laughs> or 
I don't know what it is you've got. For- to be honest with those uh, that saw this post I just put up on Facebook, that I'm new to Facebook. Not really new. I was on Facebook a decade ago, but it wasn't the same now. I put a picture of me getting my uh, mass, uh, plumber in training license. Uh, that actually did not require anything from me other than my name and address and $25. Really? Yeah, it, but it is the first step in obtaining your plumber. master's plumber's license. Now, it allows me to legally work under a journeyman plumber or a master plumber. Okay. If you see people doing plumbing work for you with a plumber and they don't have the card I have, yeah. they're not allowed to do it. Really? Um, so, I didn't particularly have to show any sort of skill set to receive this said card. Uh, I do appreciate all the praise and all the congratulations that I've gotten on Facebook for this post, but it's not necessarily deserved for the card itself. It's maybe deserved for the fact that I want to get, you know, I'm I'm starting this process, but I I know enough about, I'm not saying I know enough to be a master, but I I do know enough about plumbing and the ins and outs of it that I could probably be at least a journeyman. I may not, don't have the hours in it, but. But when you're working on your own. Yeah, when I'm working on my own, it doesn't doesn't matter. Um, but it's interesting. So we'll get. I, we've gone all over the place, and this is how the podcast are because I'm I'm picked you out of the clear blue. But I, I want some specific bullet points. So you've done this lawn business, you and your partner Todd. You guys have you guys have done really well. You used to mow. I mean, what what are some of the biggest jobs? Like biggest places you've done biggest. Well, for four years there, we were a subcontractor that took care of the uh, Beach Fork Dam in Lavalette. Well, yeah. Wow. It was like almost 50 acres of mowing. So did you just do that marina side? Yes, it was just the marina, the recreation area on the upstream side of the face, and then on the downstream side, just over there where the marina is, mm-hmm. and the beach. Okay, that's a okay. That's a, is, that's all the Corps of Engineers. So you had grounds. nothing. You guys had nothing to do with the campgrounds. So no. that's totally that, that, separate. That's state park. Oh, they do it themselves. Yeah, the state park has their own. Either they do it themselves or they have their own contractor. Okay, so you guys have done that. I mean, um, that's a, that's ma- that's massive. And to do that, I, you've got uh, a VIN track. Which I know what a Ventrac is, but explain what a Ventrac is. Ventrac is a four-wheel drive articulating uh, compact tractor. And I've got three of them now. Because one of them's getting ready to be retired. And, and hang on, hang on. What does a brand new Ventrac run somebody? Like if I was just to go to wherever they sell said Ventracs, what would it take me to walk out the door with one? They've gone up since I bought my newest one, but probably if you want it set up with a mowing deck, because you've got all these deck options and stuff that you can put on there, like your attachments and stuff. But if you want a deck, I'm going to say the new ones are going to be about $35,000. Okay, so I'm going to let you keep going, but just when people want to know why their grass seems to cost so much to cut, <laughs> it's because it costs so much It costs to cut. a lot of money to have yeah good equipment to maintain them correctly to yep. buy the good I mean, equipment i don't know if anybody knows what ams oil is it's a name brand synthetic engine oil and 
the machine comes from Ventrac with the AMSOIL in it. And they've actually started, it, it used to actually have the AMSOIL sticker on it, but now, of course, they've had to make it their own hydraulic fluid. But it's fully compatible with the AMSOIL. And so it comes with the f- top-of-the-line synthetic oil. The machines are manufactured in Orville, Ohio, so a couple hours up the road. Great service, uh, great uh, well, I, I we, would, we get parts really quick usually. So you guys Anything have three break. of these things. Yep. What is the like the mowing deck width? We've the, got uh, we run a seventy two inch cutting deck on it. And that's the width. When I say four wheel drive articulating, it, it it pivots in the middle for the steering, so it doesn't have like a steer tire. It's just like the whole thing just articulates, and then it has dual wheels front and back, so you don't have so you lower your ground pressure on the ground. So if you see like a hillside or something that's rutted out from somebody running a zero turn across it, that's what I eliminate because I can I've got enough traction I can actually just like go up and down it or sideways across it without scuffing a whole lot. And I, over a period of time, I'll actually level out those ruts with the mower. Yeah, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Where I ride that V ride a lot, which is fairly hev- heavy. Yeah. Um, zero yeah, turn. All that weight right and on and one I tire. know, I know it myself. I mean, I'm mowing these yards over and over and over using similar patterns and the, you can yeah. see ruts getting formed in the yards you're mowing. And yeah. it's the, the Ventrac, I always joke that it, it's not the fastest mower in the world. I mean, if you want a fast mower, then you're going to be into like a zero turn or something. And we learned that the, the, um, grandstand is significantly faster than the, yeah, I've got a 48 grandstand that'll, run way faster than your skag <laughs> but anyway the uh the ventrac is like a big slow lumbering beast but it'll go anywhere it doesn't care if it's wet or dry or it'll just climb the hill and mow it the mowing decks are fantastic when it's wet i mean if 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 nothing else can mow like after a rainstorm you can go out and mow with a ventrac and it doesn't it doesn't care it just does it well so you've got three Ventracks. Why don't you just kind of lay out all the, not just lawn equipment, name out all the equipment you guys kind of use to operate. Ventracks. Yeah. Well, just I've everything. Got, I've well, got, yeah. I've got the tough cut decks. On the, the, uh, the real Ventrac. quick, let me specify this. Let every, you know, talk about what you do, what, what, um, uh, options or whatever you want to say, okay. features for the Ventrac you have. And then go, and when you get done with that, go into what, what does your lawn business have? Like, so you do have these Ventracs, obviously. Right. What other equipment that do you well, use? Well, this winter we've got a well, get, stay with Stay with the Ventracs and, yeah. then, and yeah. then just yeah. work your way. Keep yeah. talking. We're still, we're still working through the Ventrac. Yeah. So, so here this recently, is what I mean. You got cool stuff to talk. Here about. recently we've been using the, uh, the power broom, which is just like a 54 inch road broom. It's got a, like an 18 inch wheel on it that's what you used at my six unit apartment building to level out all the gravel no no oh you didn't use that that's not a broom two different things totally okay this is a road broom for sweeping like blacktop or sidewalks sidewalks okay gotcha. and it works great for snow because it, it it'll actually clean clean down to bare pavement like if you're doing sidewalks and we do down at your church we we'll take and run all the way around the block do all the sidewalks there, and I've got the church across the street and the one next to that. And so I've got like four churches right there on Fifth Avenue, and we'll clean all the sidewalks for them. Especially where it's Fifth Avenue, there's so many people that walk up and down that street all the time. Well, so 
So that's one of the attachments. That's one of the attachments. It's, what is it called? It's a power broom. Power broom. So let me throw this to this part. So you have to be on call all the time this time of year. Pretty much. Yeah, you don't yeah, want to Because, I mean, if somebody's going to go to church, you don't want them to slip and bust their well, ass. Well, it's just, you it's need just, to be. You got people that walk up and down the street there all the time. So it's. Oh, like, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not just church. I mean, you get more people that just walk up and down Fifth Avenue at random. And so like, it needs to be like, done like no matter street, if it's Sunday or not. It needs yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much the sidewalks get done. Now, whether or not we plow the parking lots is a different story, but the sidewalks out front get done uh, just basically because there's so many people that go come up and down through the street and, yeah. and if it gets packed down then it then it turns to a sheet of ice and that becomes an issue um but we also have a snow plow for it. actually I had the snow plow but way before the broom and we'd use the same thing on the sidewalks with the with a 60 inch snow plow so do, do you use that plow anymore or do you just stick with the broom if we get more than like three or four inches of snow then the broom's Switch not it. as aggressive it's not as good it takes a lot more time for it to try to okay, yeah, shoot to it out. Yeah, shoot it out and get it out of there. So then you would plow it and then maybe switch back out. Because the Ventrac also has... So how much like is each one of these? It's also a like a minute swap, like to change out the attachments. Oh, it just takes a minute? Yeah, a minute or two. I mean, it's just a See, that, arm and a belt. And that is huge. And some hydraulic hoses. Being somebody that grew up around tractors yeah. and... And my brothers, specifically my siblings that are listening to this, or anybody that uh, tracked it, never none of that stuff was ever a minute change out. Yeah. Oh, no, you want to put no the venture. chipper on the back and remove the the uh, yeah the mowing attachment or the or what yeah. it's like or the the um I can't think of yeah. That. And what's sad is when you deal with venture like an and you talk like that. And then I dread having to change out attachments because it takes me like two minutes to do. <laughs> yeah, that makes you want to throw up, you know, because because I've I've been dealing with them so long that you know it's like, like do I really want to change this out for you know to go do this for ten minutes? Because like I said, down there at your apartment building, you were saying I used the uh, power rake, which is like it, it's kind of like a road, like a miniature road grader, and it has a drum with carbide nubs that will just kind of like pulverize the dirt or the gravel and it'll dig it up and you can move the loose material to like to fill in a hole or to just to put a grade on stuff. And That's level what it you out. use. That's what I okay. use down there at that building. Yeah. Is the power rake and it gets used all summer. Um, hey, and for anybody that doesn't, that thinks that landlords don't care about the city, I paid you guys a hundred bucks. It probably would have been more if it was somebody else, because yeah. I know you guys. But I paid you guys a hundred bucks to really flatten this road that out and everything. Hole. Yeah, that, that was a rough. Big, yeah, and uh, I don't own that. It was. It's totally the city. Yeah, and I did it for them. Uh, thank well, uh, Steve. Steve Williams. I, mean, was, I expect would, a letter it, in the mail. It, I mean, it would probably swallow your van right by now <laughs> oh, if you hadn't done I, something. I, I know. Do I get a thank you? No, and Nobody I don't do it noticed. for a thank you. But my point is, is everybody always thinks these landlords, and there's a, there's a lot of them out there that do suck. Um, but I care. Yeah. Until I'm not making money, and then I don't care. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that sounds terrible. All right, so you got you've got those attachments. What else? Yeah. Um, I do have a stump grinder. I can take care of uh, stumps to pretty good size. Um. So you got a stump grinder. Yeah. Stump grinder and uh, the power uh, ring. Yeah, just keep talking about what you got there. I'm going to turn the heat on. It's getting cold in here. Oh, okay. So I've got a stump grinder, do pretty good size stumps. 
I got a loader bucket that can load material into the trailer or whatever I need to do with that. And there's a, I'm just trying to think of all the attachments I've got. I've got uh, so many. There's a blower for blowing leaves. I actually have two different types of blowers for them, for the Ventrac. Um, one's a turbine blower that has like a 12 inch nozzle on it. And if I had, I don't have one of them, but I'd have to be afraid of All right, I'm back. blowing the siding off a house with it. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. The, I mean, th- these, these are very powerful machines and they're, they're it's like a little mighty mite. Like, like you think that it's going to be like, like I'll show up with that power rake at somebody and they're like, what are you going to do with that? You know, cause I'll show up with it on like a little single axle trailer and you know, it doesn't weigh that much, but you know, give me like 10 minutes and they're like, Oh my goodness. I can't well, believe what you've done. <laughs> I know. Like are all of yours diesel or are they gasoline? No, I've got, I've got, the new one is a gas. It's got a Kubota gas engine in it. Okay. Um, the older one is a turbo diesel, but because of the emission, the new emission standards, they don't use that engine anymore. Because anything over twenty four mm. or twenty five horsepower has to have the uh, pollution control system. Oh, on. Gotta love the government. <laughs> yeah. Once again, back into politics. <laughs> we won't Always take that slide. Them. No, not anymore. <laughs> But anyway, so they basically had to come up with a new option. So the newer one has a Kubota gas engine, which is a very good engine. It makes a lot of power, but it sucks twice the fuel as my old diesel. Wow, yeah. As far as gas goes, as far as fuel usage. And that's kind of a pain because then you're always like lugging. Like if I take it out to mow, like I got to carry like 10 gallons of gas with me for the day. Jeez. <laughs> Well, one of the reasons I, so I know you, you guys have a Ventrac and my, uh, my dad's wife, Sharon, her brother, Donnie, that owns Creekside Golf Course, among many other things. He, one time I went up there and saw him and he was walking me, he bought a bunch of those Ventracs and man, they got some steep slopes. And he said that they used to weed eat the, the previous people used to weed eat them and they they would end up neglecting them because you can't get the labor to do that on a regular basis, especially around here. And he can mow them with the Ventrac. Oh yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. There's a lot of places that those things will have. Oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And I've had people like go, Oh, you need golf shoes to walk a push mower down over that hill. And I'll just lumber that big old Ventrac back behind their house. And put my feet up on the dashboard or up on by the steering wheel. <laughs> I could see you doing that. And, and just, just like, just, okay, look at me. I think Todd's got a picture of him, of him doing that on this one hillside. And it's like, I've got yards that like this thing is literally 12 foot long by the time you put a mowing deck on it. And it's six foot wide. And I'm mowing <laughs> like a yard that it, that's, I don't know. It's probably like 30 feet wide and, you know, 40 feet long or something. And it takes you more time to turn around, but you have to, but there's no other machine that can go down the hill through the access point that you've got to get into this yard. So so you end up unloading this machine, (laughs) drive it down this hill, mow the little flat spot, and then you have to drive it back up this big incline, you know, just to, 
put mm-hmm. it back on the trailer, and it literally takes you like 10 minutes. It takes you longer to unload it and load it back up than it does to mow it. Wow. <laughs> Just because you're doing a, you're mowing this little tiny yard with a 72-inch mower, but everybody else has to weed eat it or carry a push mower down the flight of steps. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, okay, so we've... We know you got the Ventrac with all those attachments. Is there any other attachments you have that you want to talk about? Uh, stumper. I got a rototiller for doing gardens. I can four foot wide rototiller that'll just pulverize the ground. Um, I do have an aerator to aerate your lawn. That's four foot wide and it's it's a pretty good machine. Um, what else? The blower, the stumper. I don't have the big turbine blower, but I've got the small blower for it that still like putting five backpack blowers together. Yeah. It's the little blower, not the big, not the big one, but the little one is like putting five backpack blowers together and it'll move a big pile of leaves in the fall. Well, um, and I made once again, Sam talking about my fabrication. They, they, they came out with a leaf plow for the back of it that they started selling. And like literally like three weeks before that came out, like I had made one myself to fit on the back of this machine. So when the pile gets like six feet tall and you can't blow it anymore, like to get it over a hill or whatever, I just turn around and push it with a leaf plow, which is like a big scoop that's like four foot tall. And so you can just, you know, you just imagine like a pile of leaves, like the size of a small car that you can just like push over push. a hill. And you made this and fabricated this yeah. in your shop before they even released it for sale. You had before, no idea they, they were going to do it. I had no idea they were going to release it. That's one. crazy. That's what And I'm then talking. like I literally built it cuz I'd been talking about building one for Cuz you needed it. Yeah, cuz cuz you saw like, that it was possible and you knew yeah. that it could be you knew you could do it and yeah. you knew you needed and, and it. And I and I made it out of an old headache rack off of off of a uh, truck bed that was sitting around. Oh, awesome. So it was all cut down and re- reused material. That's crazy. You got to use what you got at hand. Well, now you guys have a lot. You have in that shop, you have a lot of stuff you can work with, which is cool. I mean, you could have all that equipment all day long, but if you didn't have the material to make something out of, it's kind of pointless. So what, what other equipment do you got, do you use on a daily basis in the summer? It's just, uh, we got a few push mowers and I know you have that Toro grandstand. Yep. Toro grandstand and a 48 walk behind. You know, I've got my skags and, they're not, there's nothing wrong with them. And I got them because it was, they were the one, everybody was seeing those, yeah. you know what I mean? But Toro, everybody knows Toro too. And Toro commercial's good. And I know the X mark there, there's, there's like a, a handful of pretty good commercial brand skags. One of them, they're good, Yeah, but you I know, mean, they're all solid. Machines. Yeah. They're all solid. When you get, when I, when we compared the weight and the, my, your grandstand to my skag V ride, which are, they're the comp- competing yeah they're the competing mowers i to be honest with you and i'm a skag i've bought nothing but skag that grandstand was yeah it it, it'll it it crushed speed wise it didn't weigh quite as much it was you've got a 52 and i've got a 48 well that's true but i mean it's still it's not that much of a difference but um, it is but so so you got you got the you got the grandstand sorry i'm kind of um, these are the things I know. What kind of what kind of weed eaters? What kind of brand? Just steel weed eaters. Just um, then yeah. you've got multiple trailers. Then you started putting them up. Well, why don't you tell us about that? Oh, the box truck. Yeah, because you went from having a you pulled a trailer, pulling pull, pull a trailer with an F three fifty. It's just not that much fun going through town. 
when all you're trying to do is little residential lawns. It's a pain in the butt. Yeah, I it's, hate it's, it. a, it's a pain getting a trailer through. And so we ended up locating a couple of box trucks, and I've got a 12-foot box truck. Isuzu. Isuzu, cab over. And I think it's like a 115-inch wheelbase. The thing can turn in any cul-de-sac you put it in. Like, like it turns tighter than my Chevy Impala. <laughs> but, you, you know, you're talking about a box truck that, you know, you pull a U-turn in a two-lane road. <laughs> I, and and you can put two big mowers. I got a 36 walk behind and the grandstand, two push mowers and a weed eater, a couple of weed eaters on a rack in the back and a blower. And you can go and mow for days with that setup. You know, basically everything that you've got sitting on a 16-foot trailer here that you tow behind your 18-foot long van. I can, oh, I know. I, I can, you and I have joked can, about I, it. I can put in the back of the little box truck, and it's enclosed, so it's out of the weather. I can... Yeah, you're, can clo- you are clo- as long as clo- everything I have in this garage. I mean, like, basically. Yeah. Close to it. Yeah. And then for me, I take what I have here and then add it to a... To a van. To a van. Uh, yeah, when I go up to mow my townhouses... Yeah. I, I mean, I can... I, I, I can can't turn around. I can't get out of there. It, it, it actually... I'm more... It, I get anxiety the day you know what i'm talking about yeah. there's you probably have had days like this oh, in your I've past had, i've had yeah places. yeah there's there's places that I, I i go to or went to on a weekly basis with my truck and trailer and now my van and trailer where i literally get anxiety yeah now people don't we don't tell people that but you're like oh god damn I gotta it go i got a freaking back and, and, into and, and, this and or try to figure out how to get out of that and there's a cars parked in the spot that you need to turn it, around in. without with i mean it yeah, Occam's razor. Isn't that what they call it or whatever? When, I don't know. You're using that degree again. Yeah, I, or something. Not Maybe not be Occam's razor. Or, some sort of principle where uh, the, everything is just always going to be the worst. Well, that's like when you, you know, you, the, the infamous thing with snow plowing even is there's always a car parked where you want to put the snow. <laughs> or there's right. always there's always a random car parked in the middle of a parking lot that you got to work around. It, it, never, it never boils down. But anyway, back to the truck. Yeah, it's not even, I mean, it's a 12-foot box, and what, you got four foot of cab in front of that, and then, uh, now the ramps are a little steep on the back. It's got a bifolding ramp that's 10 foot long, but the whole truck itself will just fit in basically a normal parking spot. Sometimes you want to find too wide just because you want to be able to walk around the truck, but you you can fit it into a normal parking spot, and then the ramp pop down out into the road or whatever. So it's incredibly handy to be able to park it off the street, nobody can see you. You're, and if you really want to hide from people and just drive a box truck around, nobody they'll all pull out in front of you. You, 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 you know, it's not like you're driving some attention. That's getting awesome. Vehicle. Before I forget, I, I have my laptop here in front of me. Uh, Occam's razor has nothing to do with what we were just talking about. It's Murphy's law. Oh, yeah, Murphy's law. Whenever the like the worst thing that can be is, it's always. It's never I'm nervous thing. about going there by God, and then you show up and there's a freaking car there. <laughs> yeah. It's Murphy's Law. Yeah. If it can happen, it will. And, and the and the thing that I've always learned with the trailer is always back in. Yes. So you can get the hell out. So you can get out of there. Uh, I blew two tires. I not, remember your mom's old house. Oh going God. Out, going out there. And I'd turn around at the at the halfway point. At where the that, halfway point I, and back down the hill. Uh, 
I that's funny. I wish that I'd have talked to you more at that point in time because when I started mowing it and I started my lawn business, I was living out there. Yeah. And I learned that the only way to do it appropriately was to back in every night. And that got and, you. And, and when people look at me, hill. my wife specifically, and I'm not saying I'm a pro, but when they go, man, you can back up with this 16-foot trailer, blah, 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 you know, people say, you, you, I'm yeah, sure you oh, get all oh, the time. I'm, it's like if you've had to oh, back my wife, up. My wife hits me when I just back up with the car. Like, like I <laughs> it's go like, like, like But Yeah. Well, once again, going back to the snow. I snow could drive a thing. semi. You know what I mean? I could. Like, yeah. it's like I had to back down my mother's driveway, which was, I don't know how long, a tenth of a mile section of rutted up yeah. driveway every night of my life for like two summers in a row. Yeah. And then you get to these jobs where you, like I, I had a little house on Saltwell Road in Huntington right below Beverly Hills that the only way to safely do it was to back into the into the driveway. Yeah. Because if I pulled in road. going forward, I couldn't get out. That People drive up and down that road like they're at the Indy 500. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you just got to do it anyway yeah oh yeah and, screw it. i've done it you know and yeah. you back up i'm like well if you hit me you hit I, I me I, there's I nothing I, I can do I about it i can't see anything anyway you know i'm 20 feet up here but having that box truck front, gosh that's so awesome yeah the box truck is great you just pull into a driveway you can fit in most driveways although i still try not to park in driveways but it, it's it's nice that you can get away and keep your truck somewhere where like i'm thinking one particular yard i've got that you got to pull in and you got this retaining wall on both sides and i got like i don't know like four inches on either side of that box truck and i pull up into the lady's driveway and then do a three-point turn and turn around with her pmw sitting there (laughs) (laughs) and then i I park right there in in her driveway and she's like why are you all parking up here with that because i always used to park the the big truck the the truck and trailer down on the street and i was like well i don't have to worry about closing the door because and having somebody steal something off the truck yeah, because I'm parking in the driveway up where nobody ever goes by. Talking about stealing stuff, so we're getting into our our experiences yeah. with yeah. this our knock, lawn knock businesses. On wood. Yeah, knock I've on wood, been, and I've we got this nice wood with, table here. But with not having, I've had a theft. a bad last two years, and then I had b- bad years before that. But I was getting robbed. I knew who was robbing me those years. They were they worked for me. Uh, <laughs> But the last two summers, I've been getting robbed by unknowns. Yeah. Uh, let's just say people down on 6th Avenue. <laughs> I mean, yeah. For lack of a... Um, but, you know, I'm I'm still downsizing a little bit. I mean, I've got more equipment than I need at this point, and um, now's the time to be doing it. So I was, t- I was talking to you, Kevin, about um, turfing my original skag the walk behind which is a freaking awesome mower to be honest mm-hmm. it's the better of the two mowers i have but it's not i don't i don't need it anymore um in it in my 16 foot trailer and your thing was you know all of, you said all that stuff probably has pretty decent value right now and i agree with you but then you came back and you you threw something in because i want this garage space and, and yeah. for those listening kevin and i are in my garage which is my doubles as my office and my little studio here but i i can free up a whole bay bay not i was thinking about buying like a 10 foot open trailer and still parking it in my garage and that would free up another 10 feet yeah well kevin's like use some of the proceeds from that sale and buy a, a box trailer and keep it outside. And and that, I mean, it makes so much sense. Yeah. And All then, of this stuff. And then when you get into town, 
Nobody will rob you, me. You, you yes. Cl- you close the door and put a padlock on it. I lost in the and last it, two it summers. I've lost seconds to close the door. Yeah, I've lost two leaf blowers at four hundred dollars a piece. Well, the one was like six hundred and something. That yeah. was the seven hundred. It was the be- yeah. yeah. And then um, the four other one was five hundred dollars a piece for a blower. Easily, yeah. And then I lost a weed eater. Uh, one that was a week old. Oh, that hurts. Yeah, it was in. It was a one thirty one. Yeah. It really hurt. Yeah. Um. And I don't want that to happen anymore because I it used to not happen by the vagrants because I had employees and they could kind of keep an eye. I'd tell them, "Hey, this yeah. is a rough area. Keep yeah, an when eye." You're, when you're by yourself, and you know, and at that time, they, the vagrants didn't steal it. It was those same employees that stole it from me when we got back, when we got back to the garage. Hey, I'm going to borrow this. Hey, I got to go pee behind your garage here real quick. And then they go pee and you come back and you realize they stole a gas can or they like, or just something random. Like, I don't know. And, and that it, I don't want everybody to think that that is everybody that we come across. No, I've got, I've got several good guys right now, but, but it's, it's, you really got to do your due diligence and, you have to take those types of people because if you waited for the best ones to come every summer, you may not have help for a couple months. <laughs> you we've know what had, I mean? We've all had those problems. Um, I know we, we've already been talking for, I, I want to keep this conversation going. Um, what of, of all of the thing. So I, first of all, I want to ask you on the record. I feel like I, You've helped me a lot, but I feel like I did I did you guys a, a nice one. Maybe I screwed you when I handed you over a bunch of my yards. How yeah. do you feel on that? I think it was a good deal. It was a good deal. You yeah. you've helped me a lot in, in in things you've done, and then I I felt like it was a a, a good yeah. reciprocation. You, you, down, you downsizing, and it it added a several hours to my route for the week, but it it was a good. Probably added a couple it, thousand dollars. <laughs> I don't I don't know. No, but I, that's how much I value. I, I'm serious. Yeah. Like it's a, so, I've been doing them what two years now. It's and, going, going on three here this year, and that's a, he's a, a bunch a, of them. One, some of the they're good examples of other good contacts to have. Other good contacts because everybody they were good they were good, and I could have kept doing it, but I I was I, I was done. And several of them because they the the one guy absolutely loves the fact that I mow at the Ventrac. Yeah, the Mike Johnson. Yeah, I and I hate I to use I his name. Want, I didn't want to give any, but names. nobody will even if, know. If you want to go out and bleep that here in a minute that'd be funny but no he no but and i um but people he yeah, probably absolutely. like what i would say he's a great contact in huntington yes. yeah. and he was a he still is a great contact he would still take my call yeah and um and it, it's it's a great to have him and, uh, and he's a he's business person out. yeah so he he understands the point of every, you know, you get a lot of people that don't have to think the way that we have to think and it's harder to work for them and i'm not saying the ones that are because they don't necessarily understand all the everything going on, and I get it. It, it, it at, at the at the end result, I don't want to understand everything going on with the produce that I buy at the grocery store. And and the way that a lot of people look at their lawn service is they don't want to under they, they don't understand. And yeah. they and they're paying a premium. Why, so why you why you got to come on Monday instead of Friday? Right. You know, everybody and, wants their lawn to look good on Friday. And I do get it. So, like, if you're paying for a, a good, it, so I think it, that's where the amount of money you pay matters. Yeah. So, like, if you're paying for that kind of service where you don't, then it's going to be way more expensive. Yeah. And 
because the otherwise it's not service. yeah exactly you're, otherwise you're, it you there's no way in hell anybody can survive and feed a family doing that stuff if they're running around ragged and trying to do, please you know you got to get in line and realize the day of a 20 yard lawn is gone yeah i mean it's just not it's just not there unless it's some dope head in, in town that's just there for that day and never see him again yeah twenty dollar yeah yeah exactly but if you want you know i know last year we had over you know ten thousand dollars in insurance premiums oh just 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 for, just, just for, for a lawn service i wonder how many claims you guys did you make a claim none i think none. i've had i think i've had three claims it, in 15 years in the i had a i've never made a claim yet but last summer 2021 summer I shattered a windshield at my cousin's property, and it turned out to be a guy I knew. Oh, it wasn't even you? No, I did it, oh. but I knew the person. I didn't know, but it, and that was like two See, I had a commercial. Bucks. I had a commercial spot that somebody said that we blew out a back window of a car. And you just paid for it, didn't you? No, we turned it because they'd already turned it in on insurance. We didn't find, they didn't get a hold of us for like two weeks that said it happened and the day that we were there to mow and. What are you gonna do? You know, you don't know whether right. it was you or not. Or well, that's what I, I was I gonna say. I busted two. Was, I busted two windshields this summer, and it was just me. So windshield or like back window or side window? Back window. And back the window. other one yeah, was a side are, sliding. Va- well, this back one was on a Honda Pilot with like a a uh, the uh, the wiper. And it costs like three hundred and thirty some dollars. And then the side window that I did for that van that shattered, it was like two hundred right around. Or, yeah. So I paid both of them out of pocket because it's not my deductibles five hundred dollars. I would have yeah. paid for them anyway. Yeah. And so I always like once a summer. But I mean that's also with workers' comp too. You know where I've got employees and. You know, oh yeah. You know, you gotta think you're paying workers comp on people and I would never I mean, it, forget, man. I mean you, it's just it's just horrible trying to, you know Well you guys yeah make, you gotta make pay. a buck when you're trying to well, I don't even know what the numbers are anymore, but if you first of all, for anybody listening out there, what what do you think you'd have to pay somebody to stick with weed eating and push mowing lawns in the hottest days of the summer? Like would you do it for ten dollars an hour? Would you do it? You know what I mean? These are like yeah, hypothetical questions. 15? So first of all, it's it's getting to the point where, especially I mean, in this COVID environment where money is just I mean, blown house. into the air, to get somebody to get off their butt, which you can't get them to get off their butt to click buttons on a computer for $15 an hour, what do you think it costs to get somebody off their butt to actually work their ass off? And then add... All of these costs you're talking about, the cost yeah. of labor, and this is why I say this infl- impact to politics. Yeah, some, but somebody, somebody gets paid X number of dollars, say ten dollars an hour. It actually costs the company fifteen by the time you have workers' comp and everything else. Yeah, and that, for, so it actually costs you more than what their hourly. And you rate guys is. have loyal people. Yeah, we've got a f- several good guys, but my but, guys are so good that when it's so hot out in the summertime, we'll actually come in at like five thirty in the morning and work from then, like. Daybreak will be mowing grass in some of these places because I've got a bunch of like properties that are like out there that nobody gets annoyed if the yeah like, like I mow for a gun range in town in Huntington and as long as I'm there on Tuesday which is their posted day that I'm there you know I'll start out I'll be on the ground at six o'clock in the morning mowing it and I'll mm-hmm. be done by 
eight and then go mow residentials after eight. And like but, Asbury but Woods or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a big that's a big one that we do. Church camp. That's like fifteen acres. And you can go out there and I can go out there early in the morning, get done before it gets hot. You know. Yeah, I just then, think then that, in the middle of August, you know, July and August, you're getting done at two o'clock and you buddies are calling you, Why aren't you working? I'm like, I've already done ten hours today. I don't know about you. Yeah, and I think that people people need to be in this sort of environment. So I would, people need to be a lot more realistic about like, it's hard to get the right kind of labor and, and, and to get people that will do that, I think is going to cost considerably more in the future, uh, which means the cost of everybody's lawn care and service types of jo- is going to go through the roof because oh, absolutely it, it is, it's going to have to like it because nobody's going to, there's a bargaining chip for these people that work for us where, you know, I can go work here or I can go do nothing. $18 an hour. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so who the hell is going to actually do real work? And those people are going to be making, making dough. Yeah. And so people need to, uh, get ready. Yeah. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. And, uh, so we've talked a lot about your lawn because we're pushing an hour and I shouldn't keep bringing up the time because we should talk as long as we feel comfortable. But I, I wanted to talk. You just want to break this into two episodes? We can. You want to come back? Or do you want to just keep talking and I'll bust it up? Let's keep talking. Um, okay. um, the, I wanted to get into your, your snow business. Okay. Okay, because we've talked a lot about your lawn business. Well, first of all, what is the name some of the most significant repair jobs you've had to do? Like, what's the worst things that you've had to do out there and the things that you've seen happen or maybe the worst accidents that you've watched? You know, List what, off a bunch of crazy stuff. Like, well, like first of all, like I had that guy. You had a guy with a... I had a guy that got mad at me. This guy, I think, was on stuff. It slashed my tire yeah. on my mower yeah, and then ran away. I just got one time, uh, he was pulling a hover mower. I still have the hover mower. don't use it anymore. <laughs> I don't know if you, if anybody knows what a hover mower is, but it's got a fan <laughs> under it and it'll, it just kind of floats and it's a real lightweight mower. Real good for hillsides as long as you don't slip and run your foot up underneath of it. Yeah. But I had a guy, that was, that was one claim there. But most we're, we're <laughs> wait, real, wait we're a minute. Real, oh, wait a minute now. So he, he slipped and got his foot cut under it? Uh, yeah, he had three or four stitches in the big toe and cut up his shoe. <sighs> Luckily it's got like a flail blade, so the blade actually falls. Okay, that back. alone beats any everything. Okay, yeah, he, he slipped and put his foot up underneath the mower and I'd drive him And you've employed a murderer, didn't you? Or somebody who was married to one or something? Oh, uh, that that's another story. I mean, Todd and I have a we, we keep joking about we should have started a book when we started a business. <laughs> Anybody listening to this, if you start a business with employees, start taking notes so you can write a book of excuses of, <laughs> and, and, and funny stories. That of I used to tell one of my employees, I said, you find, because his excuse was that he was always behind a school bus or something. I said, dude, you must know the routes. You, must, I mean, like, it's unbelievable that you, you're you always late because you're behind a school bus. Yeah. Like, it's... It, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've got a former employee that worked for us that killed her husband. That's she's, what it was. Yeah, she's in prison still. God. I had a guy that worked for me that told me to meet him down at the Sheets in the West End. 
And I drove down there and I waited for him for 45 minutes. Never found him. They called me later and said, dude, the cops had him in the corner of the parking lot and he was waving and screaming at me. Couldn't believe I didn't see him. And I'm like, there were no cops. I mean, this guy's telling me this. Yeah, I'm like, there was nobody there. Like, it's not, and maybe I was at the wrong sheets. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a whole book of excuses. <laughs> I mean, I had one guy when we were doing beach fork out there that uh, he showed up one morning and worked for like four hours, worked till lunchtime, and somebody came and picked him up for lunch. And he said he'd be back in a little bit. I still haven't seen him. That's been like <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we, we were so bad. We'd, we'd be standing there waiting for the tutors to open in Lavalette in the morning. They open it like five o'clock in the morning, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. We'd be standing there waiting to let us in. Anybody that was any of our help that was there, we'd buy them breakfast before we went to work. There was times Todd and I were nobody. just sitting there looking at each other, like, "Where is it, everybody at?" I guess it's just the both, it's just the two of us this morning. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I'll never forget the guy that got mad at me, and I, it, it it must have been over pay or something. I don't know, because you know people it. I don't think about whether or not I've gypped somebody out of 50 cents or a dollar and it, or whatever. And if I did, I'll give it to them. I mean, it's not oh, that much. I, money. Yeah, it's, but it's to some people, trying to keep track of hours for people. some people, that 50 cents or that dollar is their effing life. Yeah. And this one guy, I think, got mad about it or yeah. something. And I'm not, he didn't talk to me, didn't mention it to me. And I was up there mowing uh, the guy, the guy we were talking about earlier's yard. Yeah. And this dude slashed one of the tires on the back of my brand new skag v-ride and then he ran away like ran down eighth street hill and i never i've never seen him since his house burned down like two weeks later <laughs> he's one of those guys he was in the news his whole family was in the news oh joy um and his yeah. brother was accused beach, for lightning and was, stuff anyway i also have uh woken up and watched wsaz before we were going to uh beach forking texted Todd. I was like, uh, such and such isn't going to be at work today. I sent him the link to, to there. He'd gotten arrested the night before for having a meth lab. <laughs> and he'd been at work that day. Wow. <laughs> he went home to the meth lab and got arrested that night. Well, so we've got, uh, that could be a totally different conversation for another day about everything that we've experienced like with said, employees. We like should said, uh, if somebody starts a business, just keep, keep a notebook, you know, Lock it away. Don't tell anybody about it. Just keep you a notebook for excuses. <laughs> well, um, how about so your 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 lawn business? Not your lawn, but your snow plowing business. Tell us okay. a little bit about what you've been doing this time of year and what what your day to day is. You know, being on call and and all that. Well, it's not that bad. All right. Um, I'm back. We took a little break, and to be honest with you guys, it's been a long enough break for you. It's just immediate, yeah. um, but I can't remember what we were talking about. Uh, I think we were talking about snow removal. So so you guys do snow removal. Yeah. And um, you use the Ventrac for that? Yeah. Do you we have? Do, we do a lot of sidewalk jobs that a lot of other people won't do. Okay. And then you have actual plows for yeah, front plow trucks. trucks. So, what about salt? Salt, that's a big thing. That's trying a huge to, thing, isn't it? Yeah, trying to deal with that. We're we're so far south that it's 
that it's kind of hard to come by for us, but not really. Like you go up to Cleveland and you can get salt like anywhere. Like like most gravel yards and stuff will have salt available during a storm, but here we have to like actually store it ourselves. Oh wow! Yeah, so and get it in to buy it in bulk like that instead of yeah. buying little bags. So, so, of it. so we were buying it. I, actually, this year I went with a couple of buddies of mine. There's actually like four of us that combined to rent this one spot, and we're renting it. And put a dome up and uh, have a backhoe over there to load the salt. And I use very little. I don't have a lot of accounts, but some of my buddies that are doing it, you know, we've we've had like four, four or five. 25 ton loads of salt already this year that we've gone through. So like, like, you, like, like you're talking triaxle dump truck loads of salt. Jeez. At a time. So. Yeah. You kind of think, I mean, how many miles of road could you drive with your salt thing open before you were empty? Um, depends on a lot of things. You've got a lot of different settings on that, on the spreader. They're, they're actually not as, they're, they're more complicated than somebody that wouldn't even know what it was looking at it. They're, they're a lot more complicated than what you think because, like, mine's got an auger on it that feeds the material out of the back of the hopper. And so you've got, you know, 1 through 10 on speed settings for that mm, as to yeah, how, how fast, fast it comes out. Yeah. You know, most of the time, you know, you run it like 2. And then you have another thing that for how much it allows for, in. For, well, then you got the spinner, which do you want it to throw 40, 30 feet wide or do you just want to throw it a single lane the width of your truck you know so right you know if you're just trying to do like a little road strip then the spinner doesn't spin that fast because you're just trying to keep it but if you're doing like a parking lot but if you're doing a parking lot then you know you want to you want to sling that stuff out there 40 feet or whatever and uh so you gotta, gotta pay attention to that and then you know if you're slinging it 40 feet then you gotta turn the feeder auger up feed more salt out the out the right, back of it cuz it can't throw nothing out there. Right, cuz you know you're, you're you're trying to cover you're trying to put a certain amount of material over so many square feet. And so if you're just trying to do 10 foot wide or 40 foot wide, you got to compensate by feeding more material out to cover 40 foot wide versus 10 foot wide. Yeah. So if so. you were going to go do a parking lot like uh, Sam's Club and Walmart over in South Point or Burlington. To yeah. be. How much salt would that take? Uh, maybe a couple tons. I mean, like, would it take a whole entire back of a truck bed? My little one? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much the whole thing, I'd say. You get it completely laced. That's crazy. And how much money does it cost per ton? It Actually, salt has gone up this year. For us, we we're we're buying it for like a hundred and twenty five a ton. Wow. Okay. So it's a sh- it's a ton of salt. It's it's it's. I mean, uh, literally a couple of tons. Yeah, li- literally, literally a ton. You know. Yeah. So so you're buying it. You know, it's three thousand dollars for a truckload. So, do you think that? And, and the thing is, is that it's a perishable item too. Yeah, it's got a shelf life. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to keep it. You got to keep water away from it. You gotta keep it covered and keep the water away from it, yeah. or else it'll just dissolve <laughs> and, <laughs> and go literally, go literally go down the drain. Go down the drain, <laughs> and then sometimes, like like if you leave material in your hopper 
for more than 24 hours or so. Sometimes you're taking a chance of it drawing moisture out of the air and locking up. And then you're up there in the back of the hopper with a jackhammer trying to chisel Oh, my it out. God. <laughs> That's no fun. Please tell me. I've, have you experienced that? Uh, buddy of mine, we had to do his one night. I keep mine under a carport whenever I preload before I go out. It sits underneath the carport so it doesn't get the water in it. But he doesn't have a carport at his house. And it locked up and we were up there with a hammer and chisel and everything. I'm else surprised there. I didn't burn the motor out. Well, it just clear. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll strip out. It's got a little clutch on the motor on that spreader. But, so, but basically that spreader has like a vibrator that will move it all down the back. And so it basically just locked in one big chunk. Oh, okay. So if you were, do you think that is it worth? I mean, do you make enough money doing? And this is a business it's, sort of question, but do, I mean, is it worth doing the snow? Yes and no. I mean, yes, it's a big investment because you know you've got a truck that you're, you know, you got to pay insurance on the truck and the investment of the truck. Admittedly, mine's twenty year old truck now, but it still gets the job done really well. Uh, but you know, I paid six thousand dollars for a spreader that fits in the back of it. And then you got, you know, a new blade for the front's about 5000 for a good V-blade. And, uh, you know, by the time you get all that together, you know, you got, you know, especially if you're buying a newer truck, if you want to just, like, start out with a newer truck, you know, whatever that costs nowadays, they're going outrageous. Oh, for God. Yeah, outrageous. I saw, I saw one the other day. It was MSRP was, like, seventy nine thousand dollars and then they had market adjustment was like fifty thousand dollars on the post so it was like a hundred and twenty some thousand dollar truck just because of market adjustment it, it said it as a line item on the on the price wow i mean everything's like, out of out of control yeah and you know and then the cold just tears everything up like like just trying to work in the cold like and then Snowplowing is probably one of the most abusive things that you can do to a truck because you're like driving along and yes, they have a spring edge that'll trip. Like if you hit a manhole lid or curb or something, it'll flop down and make a big old noise. But, you know, but still you're just, you're literally just driving around and scraping and it's just, it, it, it'll tear the crap out of a truck. Yeah. You, know, you better I, be I spent, ready. I spent, I spent last night changing ball joints on the front of mine because it decided to start popping really bad because you're hanging an 800-pound snowplow on the front end of your truck. Yeah, just your maintenance on all your vehicles, all your equipment. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot to go into. It's like I'm I've been trying. Oh yeah, FedEx. I, I kill you right now, but I've I've got a FedEx package for a high output alternator that I've been trying to get my hands on. It's been sitting in Columbus, Ohio, since Wednesday, and it's now Saturday. I called them for the second time today. They said they might have it here by Sunday or by Monday at noon. Jeez, and you need it. Yeah, I'd like to get that on there because when you're doing a plow, it's run off of an electric motor. So every time you lift the plow, it's like running a starter just to lift the plow up. Even though you're just trying to lift it three inches off the ground, you've got four seconds worth of runtime on an hydraulic motor mm-hmm. on that. On the electric. Yeah. And just even with a diesel with two batteries and everything, you start doing a parking lot where you got to push in, lift the plow up, back up, 
hundred feet, push in, you know, you're not revving the motor enough to make enough electricity to keep the batteries charged and your headlights will start dimming down because it's all electric. So, you know, was it this storm that slowed them down? No, it's just the, the, the fact that the, my truck originally factory has a 110 amp alternator on it. And, some of them, when they sell, when you buy trucks, you can also get them with a snowplow equipment package. Gotcha. That usually has a second alternator just to make enough power for a snowplow. And mine didn't have that, of course, because it's a 20 year old truck, but I still love that, that old thing. <laughs> um, so I got a, the, the easiest way to fix the problem is to buy a high output alternator. So I get online and find one. Comes out of Spokane, Washington, some diesel performance shop, and makes it across the country and spends four day, five days in Columbus just waiting to come to Huntington. <laughs> I, that's why I was wondering if the weather slowed it up from there to here. I have no idea. I think it was just um, FedEx yeah, trying for, to move a box, yeah, move a trailer. Of course, yeah. Um. So, you, you know, you have all this stuff going on, and, and you have – what do you do with your free time if you have any? Because I know you're constant, you're busy. I'm, I'm than always, me. I'm always doing something. It seems like it's either doing something or trying to catch up on sleep. Well, so I guess where I'm going with this is when we've kind you're, of, you're trying to go to the flying. Yeah. We've alluded to this earlier. You, you, you can fly and you yeah. do fly. Like yeah. you just showed me pictures above Barbersville yeah. from like a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. And we go today. So in the evening, how often do you fly? Not as often as I should. And since two years, since COVID started, it just seems like I haven't, it's for some reason I've been busier. It seems like doing odds and ends. And I just haven't had the time to well, go. What kind of plane it. do you use? Well, I'm fortunate enough to have my uncle that lets me use his airplanes. He's got two. That one is them, one awesome. Of, one of them's a 1958 uh, Cessna 182, and one's a 1959-172, which there's a few differences between them, uh, one of which is mostly horsepower. The The 182 is a little bit faster and has a higher useful load. You can put more weight in it. Okay. Um, the 172 is basically a trainer anymore. But it's so fun to fly the older planes because they're, there's such old technology in it that that just goes back to you know roots of everything. <laughs> yeah. you, you know you gotta think when I was flying when I was flying to 172 with my instructor when I was trying to get my license finished up and everything. I looked at my instructor, which he's a couple years younger than me even <laughs> at this point. Well, he's still a couple years younger, but I looked at him and I said, "You realize that the two of us, our ages added up, still don't equal the age of the airplane." He's like, "Oh, that's cool." <laughs> Yeah, that kind of should make you nervous. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, you think old cars, but you don't think old airplanes. Old airplanes are so cool. So could you fly a modern airplane? Physically, I could fly it. I went under, like, like I have no time with a glass cockpit. I, I'm, I'm so used to the old instruments. Gotcha. They, they call them steam gauges, I guess, from the steam era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, you know, to actually read, like, a glass screen like you see in the modern airliners and stuff like that, I wouldn't know what I'm looking at. 
these days. That's crazy, yeah. And, and and they're putting that stuff in these planes. Yeah. yeah. I just saw a little YouTube video the other day of a Cessna 172 2021 model that was being delivered somewhere. It got stuck, and the guy made a little video about it. But it has a full glass cockpit in it. And they say, like, that's like a hundred grand of the price just to have that, that glass cockpit. And I'm looking at it going, I would oh. never want that. Yeah. I, I know I could fly that plane. And I realize that a lot of these people are training to go to the airlines. So they have to learn on that. But I mean, the plane that I fly has a Venturi tube on the outside of it that makes vacuum. It doesn't even have an engine driven vacuum pump to make a vacuum for the gauges. It relies on air going through a Venturi tube on the outside to make the instruments work. Wow. So, it, I mean, it's, it's, just how did, how did your uncle come across these? Did he buy them? Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he actually bought the 172 before he started, uh, or right after he had it, he had his, the 172 since before he had his pilot's license. He bought it. He, he took a couple intro lessons and decided that it was for him. And so he found that airplane. It was actually parked up at Ona and the guy was having it for sale and he, Managed to acquire it. Well, and and what, what's what's funny about airplanes is right now they're they're appreciating. So you could honestly, for what he paid for that, I, I don't really want to get into that, but what he paid for it, you could get out of it today. Wow. 70 years later. No, no, no. He just bought it in like 99. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because airplanes, every year they have to go through an annual inspection. And this inspection, if you have, and it has to be a certified aircraft mechanic that is certified to do ins- annual inspections. So not all aircraft mechanics, once you get that certification, are certified for are annual. certified for. An- you have to work so long in the trade before you are allowed to be an inspector. Gotcha. And those people, I mean, that job they take that—that's serious yeah. stuff. I mean, I mean, you have an error on something in an airplane, it's death well yeah i mean it's all but the thing is is i talked to the our mechanic that works on our plane he doesn't work on his car (laughs) (laughs) he said the car's too complicated well let me ask you you gotta look at it even the newer airplanes didn't marshall's new av don't they have a new mechanics yes Um, because you you were telling me about this and you were asking some of my thoughts on it yeah because i was kind of thinking about that yeah what does marshall have going on they've got a amp school airframe power plant and they're starting at some point they were supposed to start this semester but i don't think it actually came off the ground this semester it might be in the fall before they start the program as far as what i are you still considering that or i don't know i'd kind of like to but to run the business at the same time at the same time but i just feel like you would do good and the thing is is that it's class well let me bring you back because i'm going to bring you back wasn't the lawn business and I did not know this when I gave you my first piece of advice about it, which I gave you the same advice I'm going to give you now, which was to do it. But wasn't now that I know this about you, wasn't the point of mowing grass originally for you and everybody that's listened to this this whole time through was to fly? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's all I got to say. And, and in the meantime, I've developed that certain set of skills to be able to fix and mend anything pretty much. Yeah. It's, isn't that with, interesting? To an extent. There has to be, 
for anybody believing in God. There has to be a divine uh, finger on this. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm still toying with the idea of at least get it. Maybe you could yeah. somehow figure out the but lawn business like thing. Eighteen hundred hours, I think, is what it was. It, it's basically like a year and a half. Jeez, of of, of, of yeah. school. It, that it used to be a full two year program, but they can condense it down now. And their program, from what I've heard at the Marshall program, they actually like went to Delta Airlines and said, we'll write the program to meet your specifications as to what you want for these for, mechanics for students. and stuff. Yeah. You know, and they were like, no, you got to do this. And then we'll, and then they're like, well, we're writing the program. We need to just know what you need and we'll just write the program to match your needs. <laughs> they didn't understand that it was just a completely new program. Right. That's crazy. So, but I guess with this mechanics program, they got a, a, uh, interview set up that you actually interview with uh delta when you get done when you get done well that i I wouldn't be my thing is i would not be interested at all at working for an airline i i'd rather work with general aviation which is your small airplanes and you know like your life flight helicopters and that's almost even categorized as a there was a a, there was a podcast that i listened to and this is somewhat totally unrelated but slightly related and it was uh on america's forgotten heroes and it was by uh uh whittle bill whittle you know bill who bill whittle is he no. narrated it no. and he did like seven or eight people and told, and told their stories and one of them was a guy named dick rattan okay. have, you, have you ever heard of dick rattan he's bert, a bert rattan well bert's his brother okay and that's where i was going with this okay so you've heard of Bert, yeah? Dick is. I've, I've actually seen him. I've like like I saw him from a distance at Oshkosh a few years ago. That's crazy. They're okay, because because Dick Rattan is his brother, his older okay. brother. Okay. that flew in the Vietnam War as a fighter pilot. Okay, and he ended up holding because there's not very many aviation records left, really. And he did one in the I can't remember when, but um, and his brother Bert designed the plane. Okay. But they uh, worked as a team, and then Dick and his girlfriend or whatever at the time, um, her last name was Jaeger, no relation to Chuck Jaeger, okay. but they they flew around the world without stopping for fuel and without oh, being refueled. And, yeah, I remember that. That, that. plane hangs in the Smithsonian or something. Yes, and so what yeah. makes me think Voyager. about it is that those people, it it's just like the Voyager, yes. It, they're, they're just meant for that yeah that was like their life's purpose yeah and it's fascinating to me to think about that's crazy that you remember Bert Rattan because the guy brings up and when he's narrating this podcast you know just so happened to be that Dick's brother Bert was the premier you know aviation designer and engineer and you know had his hands in a lot of home builds yes had his hands in a lot of home built airplanes that's the other, that's one thing about airplanes is that you'd be surprised how many airplanes flying out there that have been built in somebody's garage at their house. And it's like you wouldn't ever think about building a car for yourself, but to build an airplane from a set of drawings and set up molds and pour fiberglass and making an entire airplane from nothing. From, from nothing, basically. I mean, it just kind of blows my mind. I mean, I've thought about building a kit before. Like, actually, like, like you can get pre drilled 
kits and rivet it all together like a big erector set and wire it and paint it. I mean, how much does it cost to buy a freaking kit to make an airplane? That's the thing is that the kit for the airplane might be 30,000. Not that much, but then you got 30,000 for a motor for an engine. Oh, you got to get the, yeah, that's separate. You know, you 30,000 plus for a motor and then you've got, uh, probably another 20,000 worth of avionics, your instruments. Yeah. Wow. Well, I remember going to your wedding, which was at an air, uh, an airport, airport yeah. in Louisa. Yeah. Uh, press, Prestonsburg. Prestonsburg. Yeah. It was, it yeah, was an awesome, Louisa. it was an awesome wedding by the way. And thanks for the invite. Yeah. Um, and the guy that was, I cannot think of it. You'll remember it when it, but the guy that we sat with, was my instructor wasn't well he was a pilot for sky sky west yes that was matt that was my flight instructor that finished oh the one you were yeah yeah so and he was younger than you yeah that's the guy you were referencing while talking to me yeah yeah and he he's flying commercial airlines and stuff Mm -hmm. now and he told me that you were a better pilot than he was (laughs) And he told my wife and I at your at your uh, reception after the wedding, he said, yeah, I fly like every day or whatever. And he goes, Kevin's twice the pilot that I am. Really? And, oh, yeah. And I'm like, here, your first time you're hearing this from me uh-huh. or from first, him. For, yeah, first time. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, you know. Kevin's he's just got flying the certificates these. He's got all these. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you could get them too, but it's just like. He's got thousands of hours of as a flight instructor and here i am I, i'm like 10 years into being a pilot and i still just have my private certificate like like i don't have an instrument rating or a multi-engine rating or and each time you get a rating it's a written test and a check ride and a certain number of hours that you have to complete in training so you kind of get the vibe i'll never get there even though you could yeah yeah i know what i need but the next step is the instrument uh rating and everybody i've ever talked to has said that the instrument written exam is the absolute hardest test <laughs> ever taken watch you go take it and you're like what are they talking i've about? had ground schools for this and i get so confused and turned around and like you're on this heading or that heading and then you got to turn this direction for this many minutes and and it's so funny how the the aviation system works and then everything's gone to that glass cockpit that i don't know anything about right the two airplanes that i have access to are not instrument rated because the aircraft has to be rated for the instrument flight and the instrument flight basically means that you can fly into clouds and low ceilings you you can fly without visual reference kind of like the guy that crashed the helicopter for kobe bryant yeah was supposedly rated to fly in that yeah, but he wasn't allowed because the airline that he or the the company he was working for wasn't allowed to fly right. helicopters in. But he had that rating condition. where he was yeah. able to fly well, in that to, condition. You have to have an instrument rating to be commercial. Right. Okay. I get what you're saying. Rating. But I mean, that's a good reference, like for people to think about. Yeah. That guy supposedly had the ability to fly in that environment without being yeah. able to see. Yeah. He should have just climbed straight so up. So instrument the rating is totally depend on your instruments. Yes. And, they all have and to not be your eyes. Well, you still have to read well, the instruments, but yeah. Right, yeah. Visual. Yeah, I mean, you okay. can get into 
the instrument conditions, like no visual reference outside. And you'll think that you're going straight and level. In the meantime, you're in a 20-degree bank turn. Jeez. <clears throat> but you got to watch your heading. It's, you know, you, you wouldn't think that just watching so here, a compass So here's, here's the thing, turning. Kevin, and this I've said this so many times about college-educated people, which I'm one of. And I don't want people to think that because you're college educated that I think you're an idiot, but I would have more faith in you who's never passed one of these instrument rating exams than some of the people that have that are flying commercial airliners because they're just good at passing exams. And I think that you could actually fly a plane based on their (laughs) instruments only. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just get this vibe like gosh we're we're teaching people to just to be able to test yeah we're not teaching them to be able to do right and you can do yeah and i believe you but, can but, test but there's also yeah, i think the, you can test too but you're a practical afraid. test you also have to have a check ride with a designated examiner you have to go out and prove that you can actually do it after. But oh, have, okay, but okay. To, so it's not just like, oh, they pass this thing. Yeah, you have to take the, the written test so you know the knowledge. Got you. And in the meantime that you're doing that, you're doing training, actual flight training or simulator training. Some, place, some of these schools will do simulator training. But then you have to have a check ride with a designated examiner, not just like an instructor. You have to have an actual person that's designated by the FAA to give these exams and you'll actually go out and fly a mission and go do go to a certain spot and do maneuvers and you know you gotta go do a hold and shoot an approach and and all that kind of good stuff you got there's there's a lot to um there's a lot to flying instruments yeah it's it's just uh it's it's a completely so different what, world from what I'm used to flying VFR. What are so? Let's talk about some of your flying stuff. You've been flying for how many years? How how many years total? Not not just ha, so. How many got, years have you my, been flying? And then how many years have you had your license? All right. So my uncle got his license about 2000 or so, and that's when I started. 99. I think my logbook goes back to 1999. I had my first flying lesson, and it was just such a thing. At some point there, it was like, what was it? I was, what, 16? And they'd go toss, I, I was checked off to Solo. And I'd go to the airport, and they'd toss me the keys to an airplane, but they wouldn't let me, uh, but you couldn't go rent a car at 16. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, but but you'd go, you'd go, uh, rent, you'd go rent an airplane and get uh, signed off to, they just toss the keys to you because you're just as accomplished as anybody else is. You're not going to hurt anybody else. You can't get on the road. You can only get in the skies. Yeah. Um, how 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 many flights do you think you've done? I couldn't tell you how many flight. Actual take a trips. take take a guess. I mean, I've got. I'm pushing almost 700 hours. Okay. So I mean, it's just depending on you know trips here or do you just you know and then you go do a flight and you go just work the pattern up and dat back and turn and come around mm-hmm. and just do practice landings and just work the pattern for an hour you know so well i know you were telling me so i know a little bit about some of your trips but what what are some of the longer trips you've ever flown like what's the longest you've ever flown well um before i had my license 
my uncle took me along for a ride with him and we made it to Kodiak, Alaska. Wow. Or not Kodiak, uh, Ketchikan in the southern part of Alaska. So up through Canada, you got clear customs because, yeah, you only go like from Huntington to like Indiana, somewhere like towards Chicago before you guys stop for gas. Gotcha. In that plane. So it's not like it's not like an airliner that you just get in six hours later you show up in Alaska. No, you got to keep stopping and filling up. Yeah, and refueling. yeah it's, it's a multi-day trip, and you can stop and eat at every one of those places. Some, sometimes you find places. Sometimes you stop and there's nothing for miles, but they got cheap gas on a twenty-four hour gas pump. Mm, gotcha. That, back in the day, that before they started doing credit card pumps, that was a fun one. Trying to get gas in the middle of the night. Oh God. Sometimes you just land and just have to find a place to sleep for a while. My uncle spent a night one time on a luggage conveyor. <laughs> waiting for somebody to show up waiting, so they could let so him pump. Get, waiting so he could buy gas the next morning. Yeah, Lord. Um, have time to tr- have time to spare, go by air. But I do know a couple summers ago you took time yeah. off and flew yourself to Alaska, didn't you? Back. My oh, uncle, you flew back. Uncle, okay. There was a change in the medical rules and... Basically, Canada doesn't accept the new rule for the U.S. And I have a medical certificate still. And so I'm still allowed to fly in Canada. My uncle isn't because he changed and is operating by the new rules. So he can fly all he wants to in Alaska, all he wants to in the U.S. He actually can go to the Bahamas even. But Canada doesn't accept that. You still have to have a, a... third-class medical certificate to fly. Oh, I got you. To Canada. And so... You have to have, like, a physical so, and all this crap, and they say oh, yeah. you're... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got to go every... If you're under the age of 40, you got to go every five years to get a, get a physical. And if, once you get four, once you hit the age of 40, then you got to go every two. Gotcha. So... Tells you your chance that. of croaking that, that all was, of a sudden was, after was, 40 that was, or that was significantly my, higher. That's for a third class certificate if you're under 40 but like like your airline pilots like if you're under 40 you gotta go every year for your certificate if you're over 40 like the guys working united and delta and all that stuff you gotta go every six months and get an exam and they do uh, ekgs and all that kind of stuff on you when you start doing first class medicals for airline transport pilots so it gets pretty invasive <laughs> but just for flying a cessna around you don't have to have all that as often well so how many different people have you flown i've flown quite a few people but once again matt i was i was trying to get back to one one of the stories there oh yeah go for it uh matt when he was working for skywest we set up a week or so to ferry the 182 that my uncle had in Alaska because he'd moved up there for a couple of years just to see what it was like and everything. So he was in Alaska and we flew the plane back to Huntington and we did it. And I think it was like 32 flight hours or so. He was with you on that flight. Matt was with me. on Okay. That I didn't realize yeah, that. That was okay. right before that was like uh, eight months or something. It was, it was the summer before the wedding. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was 2018 when we did that. We brought that plane back. So that was a good trip because we'd, uh, we took off out of Anchorage, went to Fairbanks for the first day and camped there. They have an awesome airport campground. Like just imagine like a 
car campground, but only big enough that you can put a plane in, tie it down, picnic shelter, picnic tables, and a fire ring, and free firewood, and all that with the campground. That's cool. Oh, it's, I mean, it's just it's stuff a, you just awesome, don't think about. It's an awesome place up there. Unless you're like into flying and say, you don't think about this stuff. Yeah. Fairbanks is an awesome town for aviation. Um, one of the trips up, I actually went with my uncle and we went to Bettles and spent the night on the, in the grass in front of the place. Um, so I've actually camped out in a tent north of the Arctic Circle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> thanks to, thanks to, to aviation and Bettles is a town that they have a winter road so everything that comes in has to be flown in during the summertime and they got a couple months in the winter they can truck heavy stuff in so but anyway that was a different trip up there he he my uncle's had the plane up and back like six or seven times to Alaska <laughs> so wow that's, since that's quite then, a haul since then that oh just in the then. okay but since that medical rule changed and he operates under that, he can't go through Canada. But anyway, he spent a lot of time up there and would go up for like two months in the summertime and then come home. And yeah, it, it was fun. And one year he did it twice. He went up and back and back up in a year. Wow. <laughs> so that's some long trucking hauls yes. in a plane. But we came back all the way across Canada on that trip in 2018. And uh, it was fun camping out in, uh, Watson Lake in the Yukon. We stopped. We did Fair, Fairbanks, and then we stopped in Toke for fuel. And then you go to Whitehorse, Watson Lake, Fort Nelson, and then you're out. Then you're out of the mountains, and then you just start across the prairies and find where you, which way you need to go in an airport with gas. <laughs> wow! So we we're just following the weather and made it back down outside of Winnipeg the next night there somewhere. I'm not, sure. How I'm, not, long, I'm not sure. How many hours of flight time did you fly every time? Did you limit yourself like eight hours a day? Or no, well, I think we were doing about seven or eight probably a day. I mean, we did we did the whole trip in like three days, four days. So 30-some hours in four days. Gotcha. But yeah. how, how are the accommodations at these places? Did you have to sleep in the plane? Well, no, there's not really enough room in the plane to sleep. In the plane. I'm just asking for but, people but no, listening no, that we, may we, wonder. We actually, uh, Watson Lake, we just commandeered their, their uh, they had a little uh, pavilion there, and we just uh, strung a hammock up and hammock camped in, in a pavilion. And then we made it to another town we had to stay. They wouldn't let us stay at the airport that, that, that night. There was some, it was a little bit bigger airport or something. They just didn't want to stay in there, I guess. It was a weird thing. So we had to get a hotel and go into town. You know, that's always fascinating. You know, Canada's just north of us, but it is so different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, and then we came back and we found that this was a really cool thing. We were just hungry and we were starting to look at our phone. Well, actually, before that, we start, We landed at this little place called Piney Pinecrest in Minnesota. And that's where we cleared customs into the U.S., and the airport actually crosses the border. Uh-huh. Wow. So, yeah, because it, it goes like north-south across the border. So it actually has like two parking areas, like a parking area for Canada and a parking area for the U.S. And there's a road crossing right next door, and the guy from customs walks over it, clears you into customs, <laughs> walks back over, and you hop in the plane and take back off. 
But after that that trip, that was like a three hour leg that we went to get to that airport. That's Jeez. a that's a that's a long time to be crammed up in the little plane. Yeah, man. And people do all kinds of longer, crazier times than that. But we got about four hours worth of gas that we can carry. So three hours, three twenty. You know, four hours with a reserve. So you on you have to go up for four hours and go down. Yeah. So you stopped a lot for gas. Yeah, you can do about. About 300 nautical miles or so. Okay. So, like, if, like you were saying, you had 30, 30 some hours in flying from Huntington to yeah. Fairbanks, right? Yeah. Anchorage. So, you Anchorage, you stopped like 10, 15 times for gas. Oh, easily. Yeah. So, you stopped all, you got to see all over the freaking place. Oh, you place. get to meet people. And yeah, and then, that's know, crazy. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's the experience. It's not really oh, getting no, there. It, it's, yeah. It's, it's not it's, really it's the flight. It's the getting, it's the stopping everywhere, seeing. And it's, the light just got brighter in here. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> one of my light switches isn't working so it's not very bright in the garage and half the bulbs are burned out and i need to get new lighting yeah um but yeah it's 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 half the trip is just the adventure of the trip and my wife now since i've been married she's starting to learn that she's she's getting anxious to travel again because she's she hasn't really traveled a whole lot and i've taken her now to rhode island to my aunt and uncle's place and uh, I remember you flew up there too. Yeah, we flew the plane up to Rhode Island. And uh, can I ask you a couple questions? So exactly. if you fly to Rhode Island, yeah, you're paying the gas, you own the plane, or right. whatever, right? When you park it up there, do you yeah. have to pay for that? Well, that's an airport by airport scenario. And a lot of I'm times, just like trying to think: well, does it actually save you money? I'm wondering. Oh no, you can drive it cheaper. I'll be honest with you. But it's an experience. It's an experience. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I can do it. We can do the haul in a day. You can, you can get up there. Because you sent those you pictures of you guys in the submarine. Or was it a submarine yeah. or shit? Yeah. Yep. So I, I followed that. Yeah. So, but I don't know if there's also the, the New York City uh, Hudson Corridor. There's, an, there's a strip of airspace that you can fly up the Hudson River at like a thousand feet and wow. not talk to any air traffic control. You're going right through the middle of the the airspace up there and uh you're not talking to anybody except for you're just self-announcing yourself as you go up through that that's cool man yeah that that was an experience like you're able to have experiences because you can fly oh absolutely that 99.999 percent of the the, people that other people they're never going to see in their life yeah yeah it's absolutely amazing the things that that i see and i think about and that nobody else actually thinks about and or sees yeah it's mind-blowing yeah it's like so you were it's saying like that, that trip up to Alaska. You realize that the the U.S. maintains a tree line cut border, the whole length along across the Yukon, all the way up the Alaska border, and like, they the, cut like, it like, all the time. Like, like it looks like a pipeline right away. Wow, of trees that are cut, and that's the border line. And you, as you're flying across, you can actually look, look left and look right. And this is Canada. This yeah, is Alaska. We're, we're, this is the we're U.S. In Canada now. That's crazy. Like you know, it, and they do the same thing across the rock across the northern border too. I wondered about that. Yeah, that. Yeah. Well, we can maintain those borders. <clears throat> I won't go in it. No, I'm just. <laughs> I've never played around on the other one though. That's true. You never. Yeah, that you'll get shot down closest, down closest there. Up and down there's Albuquerque. Yeah, you've got several borders in the U.S., but when you get to that border and you're flying around, you might get shot down. Yeah, yeah Canada's cool. I mean, <laughs> you you think you you know if anybody's ever been through U.S. Customs. Oh yeah, and and how much of a pain it is. 
Canada, when you go into Canada, if you're not carrying, well, of course, they don't let you have firearms, but you can check through like a shotgun or something if you need to. But if you're not like actually checking something in, you actually clear customs over the phone. (laughs) You literally, when you land in Canada, you go to the little payphone at the customs booth and you pick up the phone and you dial the number, the 800 number for Cane Pass, and they give you a number, they give you a service number, and you put it in a post-it note in the back window of the plane. <laughs> wow. So, so if, if anybody sees the U.S. registered plane, they know you've cleared customs. Other than that, you don't ever even see a Canadian uh, customs officer. <laughs> so. Well. Yeah, we, yeah. My uncle's had that plane up to Alaska. He's had it up to Prudhoe Bay. He's been over to Nome. It's been... We're actually watching, there's an airport up in New Hampshire, just outside of Boston. Of course, they're getting a big old snowstorm right now. That uh, It's a seaplane base in the summertime, but for about three weeks in February, usually, it freezes over enough ice. they got to have 12 inches of ice, but they, they'll plow the lake, and you can actually land on the lake. It's the only frozen uh, runway in the continental U.S. Wow. So can't, or Alaska, they'll do a lot of that. They'll land on frozen lakes frozen and lakes. stuff up there. Let me ask you, how long would it take to fly from like here to Connecticut, New Haven, Connecticut? Oh, New Haven's right there next to Or New Britain. Still. Yes, anywhere in Connecticut, you'd be across it in like 45 minutes. And like, but uh, to get up there, was it three hour? No, two and a half hours maybe to New Jersey. And then, you know, another couple more hours on up. It's about a five-hour trip or so, give or take, hmm. to get to my aunt Knuckles in Rhode Island. You want to go? I got a, a really good friend that lives in Connecticut that I haven't seen. and I, I, I'll pay. kill me. I'll pay you. I'll pay for the gas. At least you'll kill me. Gosh. <laughs> that would be a, a one hell of a way to show up. Hey, I'm here. And it happens. You've been complaining that I haven't but come we, to we've see got, you. We've gotten stuck. Uh, we've got family up in uh, the northern part of the state, and we've come home and what been socked in down here, couldn't get home, couldn't get home. And we show up in Moundsville and uh, call our family up, our relatives up there. Hey, what if we sleep on your couch tonight? <laughs> 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 Just kind of out of the blue. <laughs> oh, and by the way, can you come pick us up at the airport? <laughs> That's all. Awesome. That's the hard part about flying is once you get, you get to the airport, you, you, know, you see the airport everywhere, but you never see town. It's, it's it's like you get there, but you, yet you're not going anywhere. So, but yeah, he's had that. My uncle's had that plane all through the Pacific Northwest, and we've had it to Albuquerque, down through Texas. It's been to Florida a bunch, and he's had it to Bahamas, Key West. I mean, and you're doing all this <clears> at like 110, 120 mile an hour through the air. Jeez, and the 172. It's not as much of a travel bird, but it'll it'll get you there. So you just want to pause it. All right. So, well, I gotta finish this conversation. I hate to cut it off so abruptly, long. but we so. have we've been talking for a lot longer than I thought we would. But like I said, you're a man of many talents, many many uh, you wear many hats, and we had a lot to talk about. So I, I man, Might I appreciate you having again. you, and I'd love to have you back. Would you Would you come back? Yeah. This again sometimes yeah this is not that bad i no. know you were I, I struggle to find 
find my words sometimes. Yeah, but you you know, once you get somebody at ease and you come in here, it's 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 way easier than me asking you to write your life story. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna uh guys, everybody, thanks for listening and uh hope you enjoyed the conversation.